0: Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast where your New York Knicks take game 3 99 to 79 over the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was a movie at MSG and I'm joined by Giants reporter John Schmelk, the former host of the Bank Shot podcast covering the New York Knicks, who's at the game to break it all down right now on Locked On Knicks.
1: You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
0: Your team Every day.
1: And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Shot. Without a five. Going for the win. Yes. Not many pucks left. Now fires a three. He scores. And he's fouled. And he misses. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes to back. LeTano puts up a three. Bang! Bang!
0: Randall right lets down the three. He becomes infectious. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I want to thank you for making locked on Knicks your first listen today and every day. Because that means you're an everydayer. And we love our everydayers here at Locked on Knicks. So um, if you're not, please subscribe on YouTube to join the everyday club. Um, these are five days a week here on Locked on Nicks. This has only been like seven days a week. Um, but it is all worth it when you have a game like this. Uh, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Schell, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And man, that game was an absolute joy. I was not able to attend in person, but I'm joined by someone who was. Um, so, without further ado, uh, let's let's get into one of the best Knicks games of the last 20 years with John Schmelk. All right, guys, as promised, I am joined by John Schmelk, New York Giants team site reporter podcaster and the longtime host of one of the greatest Knicks podcasts of all time, the bank shop podcast. Uh, John, I, I gotta be, I, I miss listening to you every week, man, but this is, this is a great occasion to reunite. You were in MSG 99, 79 victory for our New York Knicks. Um, I can't start anywhere else. What, what was the experience like being in the building? Oh, it
1: was great. I mean, I don't remember the last Nick playoff when I was at, uh, I was at a couple of games, you know, against the the heat in the nineties that they won. I was also at game six, eight men, one mission where they lost. Um, but yeah, you know, we're walking out of that place with a win and a fun win. Uh, it doesn't get much better than that. I'm still smiling. You could probably hear my voice. It's not as melodious as it usually is. Um, there was a lot of yelling, a lot of screaming, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I can't really wipe the smile. I got my little, got my little playoff towel behind me. I already hung it up. A little free uh, playoff t-shirt rocking that. So yeah, it was, Atmosphere was great. Fans were into it. Um, Half an hour before the game, they were chanting, let's go Knicks on the uh, escalators heading up to my section. It was uh, a lot of fun.
0: John, uh, I was not at the game, but I am lucky enough to be wearing that shirt because uh, my roommate was very kind and and grabbed me one, and he's a Nets fan, so he did not want it. But anyway, (laughs) it's neither here nor there. Um, How – I guess guess let's start from the beginning, right, because – it this, this did not look like a game the Knicks were going to win by 20 points initially. I thought the process was really good offensively in the first quarter, and they were getting a lot of quality shots, at least for the first five or six minutes. Um, but they really needed just an insane R.J. Barrett quarter to – maybe not have single digits. He had 10 points, five rebounds came out of nowhere to hit two threes in the first. And I, I thought it was, it was a start of a night for him where he just made great decision after great decision, very similar to game one, but unlike game one, he also made a bunch of shots.
1: Yeah. Look, he made shots. Uh, he had five rebounds, I think in that first quarter as yeah. well, hit a couple of threes. He had a steal. Uh, Barrett was great. And he's the reason the Knicks, I think finished the first quarter up two. He's even 17-17. 17-17. They would have been down eight points without him because you could yeah. tell the rest of the team was all juiced up. Even Brunson was a little juiced up, right? Randall couldn't make a shot. Uh, Grimes couldn't make a shot. I mean, the only other player that played decent in that first quarter was Mitch because he had a couple offensive rebounds in there. He couldn't make a free throw. But look, uh, RJ kept his team in the game early, and then Brunson took over the game late. And they needed one of those you know, non Randall Brunson guys to step up. And in the first half, it was Barrett IQ. We can talk about him. He, he uh, did well late and uh, yeah, without RJ in that first quarter, the Knicks don't probably win this game. They needed him to step up and he did. And I thought what I liked about his game the most Gavin, to be honest with you is even once he got going, he didn't try to do too much and like driving it on three guys and take really difficult shots and, you know, take mid range pull-ups. He got labs in transition. He caught and shot open threes. He attacked the closeout here or there. He worked the screen. But if the shot wasn't there, he wasn't forcing it. He was passing it. Uh, Only two turnovers in the game. Eight of 12 from the field. He was efficient. Uh, I thought his defense was was also better uh, than it was in game two, certainly. So all around, this is how you want R.J. Barrett to play. He doesn't need to take a lot of shots. He just needs to take and make good ones.
0: I, th- I think I've been I, people are probably annoyed by it at this point, but the entire second half of this season, like all I've been saying on this podcast is like, all our needs to do is get into the middle of the lane, draw a second defender, kick the ball out. That, yeah. that is that is all I, I really want from him. And he's, he's had these games in his career, right, where he's been the spectacular scoring supernova, like 44 points, 42 points, like however many. Um, and that just never feels totally sustainable for me, especially against a defense like this. And you could argue the three-point shooting tonight, probably not totally sustainable, given that he's been pretty much the worst high-volume three-point shooter in the league since January. But the process tonight, I, I think, is very sustainable. And, and to yeah. your point um not only like under control but just very proactive in terms of how he was setting guys up but you could tell he was driving with the intent to pass the basketball like he even hit grimes on one where where we didn't get an assist for it but on this little backdoor cut in the first quarter where grimes missed got his own rebound um and put it back in and then his presence in transition was crucial when um in game two he, he missed a couple of layups in transition was was much better about taking his time not forcing it if it wasn't there but if it was he was very aggressive getting all the way to the rim. And and then I think that built up his confidence to attack in the half court. And we didn't see it a whole lot, but he had a play where he went right at Garland um, for a layup. And and it was taking advantage of the fact that the Cavs only had one of their two big guys on the floor was just Evan Mobley. And he was able to finish over Garland because Mobley was preoccupied, just sticking to a Knicks big. Um, And then the interior passing to finish it off to your point, getting middle kicking out to Josh Hart for a three got middle again. It led to IQ attacking a closeout um, and Darius Garland um, just flew right by IQ because he was out of position helping on RJ and then IQ got a floater. I mean, the way that like we've we've talked all year, like can RJ even get himself going the way he was able to build confidence in other guys who couldn't do it on their own like that. uh, Who knows if he can sustain it, but that feels like a real step for him.
1: Yeah. He let the game come to him. He didn't try to do too much. And look, this entire Nick team is going to have trouble finishing at the rim in the half court because of Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. Um, we're going to talk about Randall, I'm sure. I'm sure fans want to kill him for 3 of 15. You know, he missed a lot of shots that I didn't think were bad shots, to be honest with you. Yeah. He just missed shots, and I didn't think his processing was bad. He only had two turnovers in the game. I thought he moved the ball fairly well, to be honest with you. I did not have a huge problem with how Randall played, and even though he was 2 of 10 from 3, my biggest criticism is probably he he started hesitating on some of those open baseline threes where instead of just taking them, he tried to drive and that got him in trouble a little bit. So I thought in large, even though the Knicks in that first quarter, to your point, only scored 17, uh, they scored 55 in the next two quarters, which is obviously, you know, if you can do that over the course of the game, that's 110. Um, I thought they got really good shots for most of the game. Very rarely, unlike game two, where you're sitting there at the end of the possession or during the possession, like, oh my God, this is like pulling my eyebrows out like one at a time. This is brutal. Uh, I thought, you know, give Tom Thibodeau credit. I think he made a big adjustment in this game where he did not send his bigs to screen for Jalen Brunson anymore. He did a lot of guard-guard, you know, one three, one two screens where, you know, the Cavs weren't blitzing those, either switching them or hedging and showing, and that allowed Brunson and the Knicks' other guards to spread the floor a little bit more and get the offense going, which is the opposite of what happened in game two
0: yeah i thought that was i want to i, I want to circle back on randall but i'm I'm with you i thought that was a game changer i was surprised that they went away from it in game two because in game one i thought grimes in particular did a great job of getting karis levert repeatedly um off of jalen brunson um in this game the knicks for whatever it was hard reason, it was hard
1: yeah. tonight Hart was great at it yeah tonight. it was hard
0: but in the second quarter it was Emmanuel quickly which was yep. surprising because grimes was on the floor, but I mean, you you look at the Knicks box score. Um, uh, this Clyde would be uh, fainting over this stat. Emmanuel quickly finishing with a plus minus plus of twenty seven. Oh. Um, in in twenty three minutes. Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with that second quarter, where if you remember, Brunson um started just one for six in this yes. game, and it felt like maybe a repeat of that five for seventeen from last game. Goes on to make nine of his last twelve shots, and I, I think that all started went quickly. Started screening for him just because you I mean it was it's the same thing with Quentin Grimes, but maybe even more so with Quickly because he's a little bit faster moving off the ball. Um you, you hear it, it's a five-alarm fire when quickly's open for three. And it it forced Cleveland to make switches that they didn't want to make. Um, the first one led to a wide open Randall three, and that was Randall's first points of the game. In the second quarter and then from there i think brunson got more confident um and whether it was chetty Osman or whether it was the guards he started scoring and then once he started scoring like instead of continuing to like force the issue saying like all right this is my first playoff game at msg i need to drop 40 i need to go down in the annals for that he started making these great passes like had a fader and then on the very next play like got under the basket did like the little steve nash dribble slipped it to a cutting julius Randle for a dunk got middle again had a little fake to bait Evan Mobley, then a bounce pass to Isaiah Hartenstein for a dunk. Um, another one where he um, faked it to Mitch and like Mobley, you could see his head kind of pivot over to Mitch and then just whipped into the opposite corner to Obi Toppin. Um, I think that was partially set up by his scoring, but also just Brunson's patience where he started throwing in these ball fakes and, and started dictating the action, rather than, rather than letting the Cavs defense dictate it to him. All right, guys, it's that time. Nissan's most electric player of the week. And I... I had some trouble with this one. Um, I decided to go with, um, and first let me say Nissan's most electric player of the week, is brought to you by the all-new All-Electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Um, I got to go with R.J. Barrett for electrifying Madison Square Garden early in this game. The team was kind of out of sorts. Um, They were struggling a little bit, and, and R.J. Barrett flashed his Usual brand of brilliant fierceness, stroking a couple threes. He looked fiercely elegant, flying to the rim, showed a stunning power in transition and bullying his way to the rim. Um, but but then just a, also like a, a certain just like slickness and savviness with his ability to get deep into the lane and redirect it out to open shooters was completely unselfish but simultaneously electrifying. Um, and that is exactly what the 2023 Nissan Aria brings to the table of his packs pin to your seat power, but also premium intelligence, all in one EV, the all new, all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. And you can shop now at NissanUSA.com. You knew he was going to figure it out.
1: Um, if they could get him single covered, he's going to figure out a way to score on guys, you know, I know Levert's more athletic and longer than he is, but he was going to figure it out, and they got him off of him enough uh, with those kind of guard-guard screens, to your point. And, you know, you mentioned quickly there, he was good tonight, and I think you started seeing the regular season Emmanuel quickly come out a little bit. I want to see more. And I thought there was opportunities for more. I thought he passed up a couple shots he would normally take, um, but I thought he played a lot better, and they're going to need that version of Emmanuel quickly moving forward, especially if Quentin Grimes is, is, is going to be out at all. And we'll see what that contused shoulder means in Nick's PR lingo. <laughs> um You know, it's always interesting. with they, the they, they
0: should, they should put a dictionary out. So we, so we know, and then no one has to freak out about it.
1: Well, a, a contusion is a bruise. Um, I, I am not a doctor, but I do know that to be true. Hmm. So uh, I'm assuming it's more than just a boo-boo. So we'll have to see what his, what his actual injury is. So, but look quickly played really well. And again, again, I think he got more comfortable as the game went along and he started you know, looking like himself, which was great. And, you know, I think the other thing that you like about this game, Gavin, next won by 20 points, and they only shot 10 of 33 from three. It's not like they shot particularly well from behind the arc. You know, Randall was two for 10 from behind the arc. Jalen Brunson was 0 for four in the game. So I still think there's some room there. Now the Cavs, on the other hand, I mean, they only shot uh, 21% from three, three of 15 combined for Garland and Mitchell. Uh, you want to throw in Karras Levert at six for 26. So that's going to get better too. Um, they're not going to shoot that poorly. I mean, uh, Darius Garland, if you showed somebody the tape of game two and then show them the tape of game three, you would be like, did somebody like put on Darius Garland's jersey? Is that is, is that the same guy? I mean, yeah. I have not seen a guy play that bad of a playoff game in a long time. He could not hit a thing. He was bad. And now he's got a little bit of an ankle too. So that that's kind of big
0: picture how I view it. Yeah, this was something I heard. Uh, prez talking about on, on pod strickland and and he was talking about um game two where he was just saying look like jalen brunson had three or four shots go halfway down and out if he makes those shots maybe the knicks are feeling more confident maybe maybe it's a game into the second half like who knows what happens and playoff games are just so predicated on confidence and yeah. momentum i i just think that it's a, it becomes a more emotional sport than regular season basketball and, and to that point um big credit to, to you and and the 20,000 or so people you were with tonight, um, making a lot of noise, I think really having an impact on these Cleve, Cleveland just looked shook from the opening tip. And that was part of it for Garland, but also Garland just had all these open jumpers and a bunch of them were kind of like Brunson last game, halfway down and out. And when they didn't go in, like it gave the Knicks one, it bought them some time to get going. But two, it felt like Cleveland just never really recovered from a swagger perspective. And then, I mean, the the other guy, not necessarily involved in those um, Garland misses, but I, I thought really setting the tone initially in this game was Mitchell Robinson, who, who to your point, had a had a very frustrating first quarter um, in terms of his finishing because he couldn't make a free throw again, like couldn't really catch the basketball. Um, this was something Ariel Pacheco noted when he was on the pod the other day, like unlike Hartenstein, Mitch, like at least in the playoffs, having a lot of trouble just going up quickly when he catches the ball, and it gives Jared Allen time to block him from behind. But, man, what he did defensively in that first quarter and and honestly just throughout the whole yeah. game was like one of the better. Like if you're just going to isolate aside the floor, I mean, I, I thought it was one of the better performances I've seen from a Nick all season.
1: Yeah. In the first quarter, I thought Mitch Robinson was great. Um, he challenged shots. He grabbed offensive rebounds. And to your point, I mean, Cleveland only scored 17 in that first quarter. I don't even think the Knicks defense was that good. I would have to go back and sort it. I don't have it in front of me, but Cleveland, I think at one point was one for 12 from three. And there the were, there were a lot quarter.
0: of open shots, right? It wasn't like oh, wide open yeah. shots. And
1: it wasn't just Garland Paris Levert, you know, he had a big third quarter. He couldn't hit the broadside of the barn in the first quarter. He was missing everything. Donovan Mitchell was missing shots too. So the Cavs had a ton of open threes in the first quarter. And you know what Jeff Van Gundy says? It's a make or miss league. If they make some of those threes, the garden crowd gets a little moody maybe they start booing and things can go bad real quick. So Nick's very fortunate. The Cavs missed a lot of those open looks in that first half, first quarter.
0: Yeah, I I'm, I'm totally with you. And then I, I think from that point on, it was a lot of Mitch, like he he finished with two blocks and two steals, but I, I don't think that comes close to capturing his defensive impact. Like his, he, he's just, I mean, from his rookie year till now, like he, he was already figuring this out his third year, but now he really has it. Just his ability to guard two like in drop. And on a night when Cleveland wasn't hitting threes, and you could you could see Cleveland's offense, not quite to the extent that it did in game one because they, they had Laverde in, in there instead of a Coral, but you could see them start to compress. And then you could see Mitch start to feast. Like, I mean, the play that really stood out to me was about, I think it was like halfway or maybe it was very early in the fourth quarter where Garland got into the lane and and Mitch just, just kind of basically puppeteered him, right? Mitch was backing yeah. up, backing up, backing up. And in the last second, Mitch closed to Jared Allen. So Garland had nowhere to pass, but he was still close enough to Garland that Garland couldn't shoot. And Garland just threw the ball up. And it, it was, it was just kind of like this helpless baby moment for this guy who absolutely tore the Knicks a new one the game before. Um, and then there was another play, like a few possessions later where Mitch just tracked Garland and swatted him. And, and man, I like, I, I all I could think in the second quarter was like uh, the Knicks just need to play Isaiah Hartenstein with the way Cleveland was, was helping off their centers. But, Mitch, like, he kind of proved me wrong in in like in the third and fourth quarter with what he did defensively and to your point with what he did on the boards. And I, I thought a big factor of what he did on the boards, maybe this was because the Knicks weren't screening as much with their bigs, but it was the fact that Julius Randle and Obi Toppin, even if they weren't making them, got up a lot of threes. That meant there was only one big in the lane. And yeah. I, I just thought that helped Mitch and everyone else offensive rebounding to such a high extent.
1: Yeah, and both Mitch and Hardenstein were very aware on some of those dump-off passes, especially in the second half. From Brunson, to your point, um, I think Randall had one two at one point. He kind of he OB had that
0: slip to Mitch and Mitch, yeah, Mitch was dropping everything Had a great catch on it,
1: yeah. And then Obi had one too late where he kind of fake, he kind of no said luck. the no yeah. luck exactly right. So, yeah, I, th- I thought they did a really nice job. And look, I'm a person that always says things will average out, so I'm sure the Cavs will shoot better in the next game, but I think the Knicks can shoot better too, right? It's not yeah. like they had some unbelievable, you know, shooting game in this game where they shot out of the rear ends and it was unbelievable. That didn't happen. So I think you feel pretty good if the Knicks can come out and, and play the same. And I think not surprising. It wasn't as high intensity of a game for the Cavs defense. And I think, again, give Tom Thibodeau credit. He did make adjustments with his offense in terms of how he screened and spread the floor. Uh, it, to your point, to put Mitch under the basket for a chance to clean up on the glass and, and be available for dump offs. And they use the fours to spread the floor, right? So you had Toppin and Randall in that corner on the right side of the floor for most of that game. And Randall had wide open yeah. threes. And look, he's not Ray Allen. We know that. But he's also not two for ten. So I think those will start falling at some point if the Cavs keep giving him those looks. And they will, um, as long as he keeps missing it. And you know, Randall's gonna have one of those first quarters at some point where he just can't miss and he's going to have a 17-point first quarter. You hope it's game four, and then you hope he starts rolling a little bit because, look, I think the Cavs decided, look, we're going to leave Randall open there because they like to help with their bigs to to cut off the lane. That's how their defense works. And the Knicks set it up this game where they had outlets. And, again, I think that was a really nice job by Tom Thibodeau and the coaching staff. So just well, well done all around. The guys all played better. They coached better. And now you go into game four with a chance to really take a stranglehold of this series where all the pressures on Cleveland in a environment, that's going to be very hostile and frankly, not going to turn on the Knicks because they already won the first game at the garden. So I think you got to love the spot. The Knicks are in. And I think you also have to love the fact that there's only one day off, you know, I'm an old guy. I remember back in the nineties where Knicks and bulls did such good ratings that the NBA would force them to play Saturday, Sunday, back to back in the playoffs in 93, yeah. 94, 92, 91, like those years. And, you know, it was always games three and four when the Knicks were home, which was, I always got mad because I'm like, Oh, this isn't fair. You're making the Knicks play back to back at home. It's so hard to win back to back games at home. And then the Knicks will always split the bulls end up when the series it was a whole thing. But I do think it helps given how shallow Cleveland's rotations are, given the fact that Garland just sprained his ankle, you only get one day of rest, and they try to really push their guys in terms of minutes. That can only help the Knicks in game four, where they're a little bit deeper. They have more guys they can play. We'll see about Grimes. Quickly can certainly play more minutes. So I do think that's an advantage to the Knicks. And I think Randall, even though again, I know you wanted to circle back, so I'm circling back for you. Yeah, do it. Three of 15, shot like garbage. I thought his processing was fine. I thought he did okay. If anything, I wanted him to shoot more threes, even though he wasn't making them. Because look, it's just it's too hard. Mobley and Jared Allen are really good. Like Mobley with he's a second-year player. almost won defensive rookie, the defensive player of the year. I mean, he's so long, it's hard to score over him when he drives. He's trying, he's fitting, he's pumping, he's going up and under. But Mobley's there. He's too good. Randall has to take the threes, and they'll fall eventually. Just keep shooting. Don't You know, run into three people and turn it over like he did in game two. I thought he was a lot better. And I think you have to feel good that if he keeps this up, those threes will start to fall and and he's going to have a big game here. So I know fans want to kill him, but I think they have to understand that he's literally going up against maybe the best defensive player at the position in the entire NBA at power forward. So I'm not saying give him a pass. I'm not saying he's been good, but you know, I heard people at the game saying, oh, they should bench him and start OB top in the next game. It's like, guys, relax. That's yeah. not happening. Um, Randall's important, and he already grabbed one offensive rebound in that clinch game one. Um, give him opportunities, and I think he'll figure it out here.
0: All right, guys, we'll be back with John in just a sec to uh, wrap up this conversation, though. As you'll hear, we had, we had trouble wrapping it up because we had so much fun talking about this game. But I want to remind you, for a championship team, which is the Knicks – I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but might be on their way to becoming. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, and I think, I mean, what stood out to me with both Randall and Brunson and, and this I, I assume this was a very conscious decision by the Knicks coaching staff and something they drove home the last two days, but both of them weren't over-penetrating. And to me, that was kind of like the biggest issue in game two offensively where they would, they'd they get into, I mean, Julius in particular, right? He would get into like the thicket and he would, and and sometimes it was off offensive rebound, so you can't help, but sometimes it's off the drive. And then it would be Mobley and Allen around him at the rim and he'd pump pump like do everything he can but you can't change the physics of the situation right yeah. or, or the biology maybe Allen's like three four inches taller than him Moby's three four inches taller than him with arms that are a million feet up in the air um but this game he would kind of wait like to your point when he got reticent from three-point range which I didn't really like either but to his credit like he was able to maximize it a couple of times where he waited for Moby to come out and then took advantage of that strength like bullied him under the rim but instead of getting to a point where he was trapped between Moby and Allen that like that aforementioned pass to Mitch, like it came at exactly the right time. Um, He had like, I'm going to, I'm going to scroll and find in my notes now. Like he, he got middle and hit RJ for a wide open three. Yep. But again, it was because he didn't get too far and lose his ability to throw that pass. And I, I think this game was a revelation for the Knicks in, in that they realized like this Cleveland defense that granted, like I don't think maybe just not having their home crowd behind them didn't have quite the same on ball verve that they had in game two. Um, but that this Cleveland defense is solvable, like not even with complicated plays, but playing very decisive and making the simple play over and over and over again decisively. And I also want to shout out Julius on defense because he he had some some really good moments. One play where he shut down Evan Mobley. He had another play where he got switched onto Donovan Mitchell, um, and it led to Mitchell throwing it away. And and look, yeah. obviously Mitchell's too good to do that all the time. But Randall, like. He, he has effort issues. Like I've never questioned him as a switch big. He, he is incredibly good in space, like amongst the best in the NBA as a power forward of that. I wouldn't even mind if the Knicks like did that more and switch Randall onto yeah, him. I and, agree. And, then, and then if like the worst case scenario, there's like Evan Mobley going one-on-one with like a Josh Hart or RJ Barrett laying in the shot clock. Fine. Like, sign me up. Yeah, that that's okay with me. So I liked what he did defensively. And I just think the Knicks as a whole, I mean, the playmaking defensively was a real separator in this game. Like, like you look at the Knicks halftime lead it was 45 to 32 um 15 points of that lead were points off turnovers they outscored the Cavs 18 to 3 in terms of points off turnovers in the first half. and and let me also just acknowledge 32 points in the first half I don't I almost don't care about Cleveland shot that's crazy it was also the first game all season long an NBA team failed to hit 80 points in a game um but to circle back to my original point do you know how happy happened? Tom yeah.
1: Thibodeau must be right now he must be like uh, <laughs> the
0: happiest man on the planet
1: with that final score my Zach god is it is, is like deep, that's how you do it that's yeah. how you
0: win in the '90s, guys. <laughs> We iced him. We iced him. <laughs> um,
1: you got yeah, Daquan Jeffries like trying to fight people at the end of yeah. the fourth quarter. That's what you do, Daquan.
0: Daquan's going to eat his head. He's going to kill <laughs> a guy. <laughs> uh, we could do that all day. But anyways, Randall is steal. Mitch is steal. Brunson is steal. RJ is steal. Hartenstein had two steals. Hart had two steals. Obi Toppin had four steals in this basketball yeah, game. 20 turnovers
1: and, for Cleveland. 20. And some God. of it,
0: I think, was Cleveland. Like the crowd got to them a little bit. Like some of them were just dumb. But it was also the Knicks just mucking things up, like getting into passing lanes, doubling the ball, and like and, and look, if Garland was hitting shots, like things get a lot more difficult. Donovan Mitchell like had his moments in this game, but the Knicks never really let him get cooking. And part yeah. of that was just that Cleveland couldn't sustain possessions because of the Knicks ball hawking.
1: Yeah, and I think the Knicks were also very aggressive on those Mitchell pick and rolls, too. Like they weren't just playing, you know, simple drop. They forced Mitchell to kind of make that short roll pass to Jared Allen a few times. And I think you live with that. If John Aaron makes a play or hits like a little eight foot push shot. All right, cool. Cool. We will happily live with that play. And, you know, I don't, I'm trying to think Mitchell took what maybe one, three pull up off of a high screen and roll, maybe two on wasn't the game? a lot of it. There was, weren't was, many of them. Yeah. Now I think they'll probably go back to that in, in, in the next game. But I think the Knicks did a better job of making sure their bigs did not drop off too far where Mitchell was able to, to to step into that three. And I don't like it when they and, and look, this is the other thing you gotta keep an eye on too with the defense, right? Where you talk about the offense. They hunt Jalen Brunson relentlessly. Um, but I will almost live with that because they're not getting threes off those plays generally. Generally they'll try to drive on them. And if Brunson does a good enough job or help comes, you'll force him into a mid-range two, which I think you live with. Um, but that that's an issue they're gonna have to figure out the next. They are hunting Jalen Brunson a lot, and again, the Cavs miss shots they usually make in this game, so that I think could still be an issue in Game Four because they were just in that third quarter, especially when the Cavs made that little mini run when they got it into single digits, and I think they got it to nine at one point, yeah. maybe seven. Um, they were hunting Jalen Brunson relentlessly, whether it was Karis Levert or Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland, it was you know whoever whoever Brunson was guarding, bring him up, set the screen, get the switch, go go to work. See how it goes, and look, Brunson is just not a—he's just not athletic, and he's not big, so he's going to struggle in this situation. So I don't know if there's an answer for that, to be honest with you. But I thought the Knicks handled it as best as they could today.
0: Yeah, and I think I think there were there were a couple things the Knicks did. I I really need to go back and watch I'm, I'm not as good at, as some people as like paying attention at specific defensive matchups throughout the game. But I noticed there were a couple possessions where the Knicks started with Brunson on Garland, which is something I heard. DJ Zulo uh, suggests on the Knicks film school. Yeah. Podcast. And by the way, I
1: was in favor of that too. I don't yeah. like the Levert matchup is Levert can overwhelm him physically. Yeah. And if Garland gets a little bit too quick for him, at least you, a big can come over and, and challenge a shot. Like we saw Mitch do. So I think, yeah. I, I think I
0: I'm with DJ. I think that is the way to go, by the way. I, I like it too, because I mean, my logic is like Garland's going to probably toast, RJ Barrett anyways, like, and of course, like it's kind of the same logic as Brunson, right? Like where both those guys are going to get shots off and you just want as much length on them. Like when they do shoot to affect as much as you can. So I understand that, but especially after what Garland did to RJ in game two, like you almost like if one guy's guaranteed to go off anyways, why let two guys go off? Hey, and, but and, here's and the problem R- with
1: Barrett. Barrett yeah. cannot manage screens. He's just not, he doesn't get small enough over the top. He always gets behind the guy. He can't get over that screen. At least Brunson can get over the screen a little bit better than Barracan just because I think he's smaller, right? He can kind of shrink down and, you know, get over and, and stay in front of the guy a little bit. So I, I agree. I'm with you. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I apologize. I no, like no. Brunson over that screen against Garland. You know, Levert, I feel like, wants to go one-on-one a little bit more anyway. He doesn't really want that high screen as much as Garland does. So I think that's the matchup you stick with.
0: Yeah, and I think I think RJ, again, like Levert made some tough threes and, and sometimes it was a product of RJ, like, overhelping a little bit, but he's not Isaac Okoro, but... I think you'll live with like Levert taking a bunch of shots for Cleveland because those are all possessions where Darius Garland isn't shooting and Donovan Mitchell isn't shooting. So I, I thought that was, again, I, I got to go back and watch, but I thought that was good strategy. i um, another guy who I thought was really impactful defensively was Emmanuel quickly. Like there were just two or three plays that really stood out to me. Like I had one in the second quarter where he, his, his screen navigation was just excellent to um draw an offensive foul and then at the end of the third quarter like didn't even let donovan mitchell touch the ball just awesome awesome denial denial on him um and look i thought it was interesting from from tom thibodeau and and by interesting i mean i I didn't like it in the moment but can live with it in retrospect that quickly didn't play a single minute in the first quarter i think he played brunson and um randall if i remember the entire first quarter but maybe that gave quickly some time to settle in took some of the pressure off and and obviously like it's what you always hear like role guys and and quickly is more than that but maybe just given his relative lack of playoff experience you downgrade him a little bit like play better at home um he just he just looked infinitely more comfortable um not not initially but eventually like he he passed up an open three early um and and that was a little frustrating but I, i think he was helped a lot by the knicks like setting him up for stuff um, like he got a kick out from Brunson to get that first runner. I already mentioned got a kick out from RJ to get another runner. Um, I think it was Randall, or maybe it was RJ. I can't even remember. Like, had another one where They got deep into the lane. And it was Randall, and, and he set up IQ for a wide open three late in the second quarter that IQ could just step into and hit. And then you saw late in this game, um, all of a sudden, like pressure was off, and Emmanuel quickly's draining like a fadeaway 24, 25 footer um from the left corner. I'm like, all right, there we go. And I'm I'm wondering if you can. Put a little bit more on his shoulders in game four. And Definitely. and to your point, you're gonna have to if, if Quinn Grimes is out for game. Yeah, game. and look,
1: I think he's ready for it. I, I don't think you were ready to do that in this game because he frankly played so poorly at Cleveland. Um, and I think you saw the bounce come finally come back in in his step. He played well in the first half, but he still didn't look like the I got it going Emmanuel Cookley we saw for the last couple months of the season. Yeah. He's still a little hesitant. And I think to your point, you saw that deep three in the in the second half or
0: it's like, all right, now I think he's starting to feel it. Like he's starting, L- to like, Lucy right, Goosey, to now. quote Clyde, right? Yeah, um, and you feel like he's a guy who normally doesn't seem to feel fear, and it, it feels like he like felt some of that in these playoffs so far.
1: Yeah, he absolutely, and I, I think he was, you know, tight maybe is the wrong word, but like he, those first two games, he couldn't even dribble. Like he yeah. like could not dribble like uh, with a defender on him. It was bad. So you hope that he can carry this into into game four now, and maybe look. Going into this in the series, I talked to my buddy who does morning talk radio in Cleveland, and he knows the Cavs inside now. He said, John, Karis Levert's going to win at least one game in this series for the Cavs, and he's going to lose at least one game in this series for the Cavs. And I think we saw that in Game 1 and Game 2 already, right? Where he was terrible in Game 1, played much better in Game 2. So he's a guy that, and even in this game, he was terrible in the first half, played well in the the third quarter, and he was bad again in the fourth. Mm. So he's a guy that's going to be up and down. Cleveland, you know, I think as important as Brunson and Randall are for the Knicks, I think they can survive one of those two having a poor game more than the Cavs can survive Mitchell or Garland having a poor game. You know, Levert's the only guy that can make up for one of those two guys not playing well. Osmond's not going to do it. O'Crowell's not going to do it. Wade's not going to do it. Danny Green's not going to do it. And neither big's going to do it. They're the only two guys that can do it. For the Knicks, if Randall's, you know, Bad shooting like he had tonight. All right, well, Obi hits a three. Um, quickly has a good second half. Barrett gets hot. Josh Hartz hit a couple threes, and he and he gets in transition. So the Knicks have a lot more margin for error with making up for these guys. Like, just look at the first game. Brunson played, like, four minutes in the first half, and the Knicks are still – well, I think they're up at halftime at game one, right? Yeah. Because they had other guys that could step up, even though one of their two stars wasn't playing well. And they still – haven't both played well in the same game yet, by the way, Randall and Brunson in this series. So I think that's advantage Knicks still, which is why I picked them in seven at the beginning of this series, because I thought in the end, the Knicks had more ways to win games than Cleveland. Now we could walk into game four and Don and Mitchell goes, Hey, I've, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to score 45 and he might score 45. Dollar score 20 and the Knicks could lose. But I think the Knicks have more ways to win. Um, maybe one fewer if Quentin Grimes can't play in in game four. And if he can't, I think Josh Hart might play 48 minutes because Tom Thibodeau wants his defense on the court on Donovan Mitchell that whole time. Um, Maybe you give him a couple minutes in each half and Deuce McBride can kind of get in there and defend a little bit. The other thing I like to see, and I was talking to my buddy about this at the game, and maybe it's tough to time this up. I would like to see Brunson on the floor when the Cavs bring in the Osmonds and the Okoros because I feel like you can hide them on defense a little bit better in those minutes. It's tougher when it's Levert um, and 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 they're two superstar guards, obviously. But I think when they go to those subs and you have those guys in there that, oh, City Osmond, you want to go take Brunson one? on one? fine. We, we don't care. Do whatever you want. Yeah. I think I would like to see him in the game more against those backups so maybe you can stagger the rotation a little bit so he's out there so his lack of defense doesn't hurt you as much against that bench unit for Cleveland.
0: Yeah. And I think, I mean, it, it's big for Randall to continue to get minutes against those groups. Like in game one, like he, he was having a field day going at Dean Wade. And I think that was almost the most like kind of surprising part of this game for the Knicks is that they didn't really take advantage of those minutes when the Cavs, at, at least in the first half, and the second half, they did. But when the Cavs went to their bench, they had Danny um, Green on Randall for a couple possessions. Yeah. I mean, then, and yeah, and they did last game and last game. Randall was shooting threes against him, which is obviously not, not really what you want. Um, so it's still like, I guess that's maybe the most encouraging part about this. Like it it didn't feel like a perfect game for the Knicks. Like it still feels like there's plenty of meat on the bone and granted, like, again, you got to grade on a curve in the playoffs, right? Like you're probably never going to have a perfect game unless, unless you're like a a one seed and, and, and a like true blue title contender. Like that's, it's hard to get to that point, but there's still a lot of stuff the Knicks can do. I I guess what I like, maybe we can finish up here. Like what I'm looking at heading into game four is like, this felt like a game where the Knicks kind of could have their cake and eat it too in that Garland missed a lot of open shots and Mitchell was fine, but like, certainly not to the heights that he can get to. Um, And in turn, like the Knicks could like, like at times, like give those guys open shots at times provide extra protection. But what they really took away that I I think kind of strangled Cleveland and made them. So like they essentially had no offense in this game was that Jared Allen and Evan Mobley only took a combined 13 shots and only had a combined 16 points Certainly didn't. Do- they had some offensive rebounds. Didn't dominate on the offensive glass, um, and they just didn't really feel like the stressors that they were in the last game. Where Jared Allen tortured the Knicks last game Evan Mobley had like really good moments offensively and instead the Knicks again were like making Mobley play in no man's land and like it feels like this is a tradition now. every game where Mobley is two or three plays where he's on the short roll and, and he's five feet away and he's like all right come up and guard me so I can throw the lob to Jared Allen the Knicks are like no please shoot it and, and every single time he misses it one time he tried to throw a lob and it went off the backboard um, but I, I do think those guys will have better offensive games I think Allen in particular will make more of an effort to be more aggressive like wh- what do you think the balance is that the Knicks continue to try to strike between like taking those guys away and trying to ensure that Mitchell like can't really cook because it felt like they, they leaned a little bit more towards stopping the bigs in this game and kind of got bailed out by the fact that Garland like couldn't hit shoot and that Mitchell wasn't like at full throttle.
1: I think the balance is simple. Don't let Mitchell take threes off the dribble. Don't let the big guys get dunks. Yeah. That's it. And if, mm. you know, Evan Mobley hits a bunch of shots in the middle of the lane or Jared Allen, hits a bunch of push shots or, you know, even if they catch it and then they have to kick it out to, you know, kick it out to a baseline three for, you know, an Okoro or a or, or an Osman, you live with that. You mm. take away the big men dunks, you take away the pull up off the dribble, Donovan Mitchell threes. And if, um, you know, Garland has it going, you take away his pull up threes too, right? Like he had it going in game two. And I think you live with everything in between. Um, garland and mitchell are good enough that they can still beat you doing that that's why they are who they are and they're all-star level players and donovan mitchell is one of the best offensive players in the league but i think if, if mobley and allen beat you by catching it in the short roll and scoring or kicking it out to other players for, for baskets i think until you see that beat you you live with it um and to your point you don't let them do that little handoff lob game and look you, you just make them Make those shots between three and eight feet, and you hope they miss enough of them. And Mobley's still not strong enough where if you can just body him a little bit, we saw Randall do that on a couple plays. We just make him a little bit off balance on those shots. I think it gets tougher for him, and you live with it. And I think that's the balance you strike. You know, those Mitchell pull up threes off the dribble are killer, you know. And once he gets going, look out. Same with Garland, we saw that in game two, which I said a couple seconds ago. And I think, look, if if you're fast, if you're forcing a pass to Mobley or Allen from 12 to feet away, 12 to 15 or 18 feet away from the basket, off a pick and roll action, I think you've already won, and you make them beat you. And if those two guys beat you, you tip your cap. And I think that's how you have to go about it.
0: Yeah, to me, I mean, Darius Garland is is kind of the key to all of it because when he starts raining threes, raining long twos and you have to press up on him a little bit more, and then he's getting blow and then your whole defense is, is out of whack and in rotation, and he starts feeding Allen and starts feeding Mobley for dunks and layups and you know, open shots, um, those guys start getting confident, and they start playing with a different level of aggressiveness on both ends of the floor, and then you, you compare that to a game like today where that didn't happen, and like, the Knicks were like, all right, you're not really a threat. Like We're just going to sit back on the bigs, and it, it looked a lot more like game one than game two. Um, So I think he continues to be the X factor and it, it just kind of comes down to maybe, maybe this is contradictory to my throw Jalen Brunson on his point. And let's see what he can do. But um, I, I, I think um, if he does not have another spectacular game or like another couple spectacular games, the Knicks are in pretty good position. And um, oh, I, I guess my last point would be is like, I, I kind of think game four is going to decide the series. I think if Cleveland can win it, they're good enough to beat the Knicks at home. Um, they just have enough talent, and like, and Mitchell in a game seven is is kind of terrifying because he could just have one monster game and, and send you on your way. Um, but if the Knicks win, um, again, like you 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 got to win one ad two in Cleveland or one at MSG, and that, that is a golden position to be in.
1: Hey, look, I'll just i think you're right. I mean, I'm assuming Mitchell's going to be good, and he'll probably win a game on his own because that's why Donovan Mitchell is awesome. And I, I don't maybe it'll happen in Game Four, maybe it'll happen in Game Five. I think you hope that happens in Cleveland rather than in New York because I think him doing that on his own is the Cavs' best chance for winning in the garden. And I think he's probably going to try to take over game four at some point when that happens, do what you need to do. If that means Deuce McBride, it means Deuce McBride who's, who's a really good defensive player. Yeah. Um, but I, otherwise other than that, which is going to happen at least once in this series, you hope it's not twice because then the Knicks probably won't win it. Um, it's a Leverting Garland series. That's what it is. And if those guys shoot and play really well and score the ball, the Cavs are going to be tough to beat. If they don't, the Knicks are probably going to win this series maybe in six games um, because the Cavs just don't have a lot of guys that can put the ball in the basket. That's their weakness. It kind of, you know, reminds me a little bit of of the Knicks against the Hawks two years ago where, you know, while Mitchell's better than anyone the Knicks had that year, obviously, and, and that's a different – and frankly, you know, uh, garland's probably better than anyone they had that year too to be quite honest with you um they just don't have many options if those two guys aren't going like Levert's like barrett from two years ago maybe he'll put a good game together maybe he won't you just don't know so yeah they, they they're gonna need those two guys to play well and then i think for, for game four i'll leave you with this the grimes injury matters not because of his offense and he does need to hit some shots um, it's his defense on, on Mitchell because, you know, him and Hart have basically been sharing that assignment. And if, uh, Grimes can't play, that's all Josh Hart. And then I think you are going to have to see McBride for a little bit, um, to get Mitchell, uh, get Hart, some of a break on Mitchell, whether he's in the game or on the bench, that's going to hurt you defensively. Um, I think they'll survive offensively with the combination of, you know, quickly Hart and, you know, RJ, Hopefield will play well again. Uh, Building some confidence here. So uh, I do worry about that defensively on Mitchell, and I worry about Mitchell taking over that game on Sunday. I think the Knicks will play well. I think they'll shoot better, especially from three than they did in this game. I feel good that Randall's going to have a bounce back game and it'll hit some of those open threes. I think he'll get those open threes again, and I think he's going to make them. I do. Um, I just, it's a home game. You know, the crowd, even though Randall did not play well, he got an MVP chant at the free throw line in the first half. And I think that had to feel good for him who, you know, he can spiral sometimes and things don't go well And the crowd stayed behind them. So I think that's going to open the window for him to, to play better in game four. Again, you hope Grimes can play. We'll see how injured Garland is or not, but I think the Knicks are positioned. Well, I think they're the better team. Um, The Cavs have the better stars though. Brunson is not far behind uh, Mitchell in that regard. Um, And, can the Cavs figure out a way to stop Jalen Brunson? Because right now, when Brunson's won to take over this game, he's been able to take him over, except for that game two when, again, the, they were doubling him because the Knicks were screening with the big guy, which you are not going to go back to. So we saw the adjustment. Knicks won game one. Cavs adjusted back, started trapping, blitzing, overloading the floor. Knicks adjusted back in game three, right? Screen with the small, spread the floor better, got a bunch of open threes, still didn't make them, still won by 20. And Brunson got favorable matchups to go one-on-one and score. Now, what do the Cavs do? Do the Cavs have another adjust back? Or if they exhausted, given their talent, have they exhausted their options? And they only have one day to make those adjustments too. It's not this like, you know, two or three days before game. So I'm curious to see what the Cavs do now to adjust back to what the Knicks did to them in game three. And uh, we'll see how it goes. That's what playoffs are, right? It's one team adjusts, you adjust back, and then who in the end runs out of adjustments? And I think the Knicks are less likely to run out of adjustments because yeah. we have more guys that can score, which yeah. is completely different than the Hawks series two years ago when they had two scorers and Reggie Bullock, and it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do now? It was, oh, it was it was a dilapidated Derrick Rose, who was on one leg after two or three games, Julius Randle, who they were basically flooding his side of the floor against, and then you had Reggie Bullock and R.J. Barrett. Yeah,
0: good luck with that. You know whoa, whoa, whoa. I- whoa. You're, you're forgetting Alfred Payton, okay? Let's <laughs> yes, I have... Thankfully, I have tried very hard to. (laughs) Yeah, that was actually a lot of a lot of therapy that got that done for you.
1: Yes, (laughs) I've definitely tried and successfully forgotten Alfred Payton. So that's it's not to the extent because the Cavs are a lot better than the Nick team was. But again, it's Garland and Mitchell, you know, and Lavert when he's on, and he's going to be schizophrenic. And the Cavs aren't as good. Remember, they were bad, not just you know, they were not very good on the road this year. They're under five hundred. Um, the only Eastern Conference team under 500 on the road that were not in the plan. So the top six seeds, they had the worst road record of any team in the Eastern Conference playoffs that did not play in the playing game. So uh, Knicks were not a great home team. I know that. But win this game at home. gives you some cushion. Uh, you don't want to go into game five in Cleveland uh, tied at two. Uh, because then odds are you're going to be facing an elimination game at home in game six. And then maybe Donovan Mitchell has his take, take it over game, right? Which you want to avoid in an elimination game. So stay mm-hmm. a step ahead here, seize this series, don't mess around and, uh, you know, make the last three games a little less stressful, but it's a Knicks, so you know, it's probably going to be the opposite, right? Yeah.
0: A hundred percent. Um, yeah, to me, uh final note, I guess, but like I think it I I to your point, like I don't I don't think the Cavs really have a personnel adjustment to make. Like they just need the guys on the floor to to play better and and there's some things that they can tinker with strategy wise, but I, I think starting Karis Levert, like um almost a a real poor man's version of when Greg Popovich used to start managing in in a must-win game. Like, like it feels like they they kind of pushed their chips into the table and like the Knicks saw it, like kind of laughed at it tonight and won by twenty points. Um, but I, I think again, like like the big Switch in this game is that garland couldn't make shots and the knicks role players could make shots um i think we're more likely next game to have like those things match up whether it's garland missing again or the knicks role guys missing again or the knicks guys hitting and garland hitting like i think we're due for another close game and those things are going to align and then it'll just it'll come down to some some crunch time moments and that's going to be a lot of fun because it's going to be donovan mitchell jalen brunson going at it brunson like it felt like after a slow start to this series, like one for six, like the, the shot that got him going was when he got Karis LeVert one-on-one. LeVert played excellent defense on him, mm-hmm. had him stop. And, and Brunson did like his, his kind of signature, like reverse pivot into a pirouette, one step into the lane. Up and under, oh, yeah. That, that is just like, it doesn't look legal. And then you watch and you're like, oh yeah, he just pivoted and then took one step. That that's totally yeah. legal. Uh, but it just doesn't, it, do, it seems like, it seems more like dance than basketball. Yeah, um, look,
1: and, can, yeah. can the Cavs guard Jalen Brunson better? Can yeah. they put a stop to this guy? They right, can, and to they, me, but to I me- don't that, know, I don't know, I don't know what the, unless they just blitz him and they send well, two at, John, at him. John, like which, the which question- they can, But then the Knicks have enough guys where they should be able to make him pay, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, the question there to me is like, is literally just like, like, can like, guys other than the Knicks stars make shots like whether it's quickly or hard or right? like, like both in mean. terms of like how much attention they could pay to Randall or Randall and Brunson but then even if Randall and Brunson drive and draw two and kick and then it's RJ like driving like you still need like him to be able to kick again right because like win the Cavs and they're gonna they know it's a must-win game they're gonna play Mobley they're gonna play Allen like 42 <laughs> 44 minutes if necessary like like the interior like I don't think is going to be Quite as open. Um, the way you can get around that again is if guys can hit threes. RJ Barrett, Josh Hart. Hopefully, Quinn Grimes. And Josh if plays, Hart and take threes. Josh yeah, Hart. Yeah, he, he, pass, he three, passed. He passed up another open three. one, but then he, then he made one later on. Um, take and make threes. Emmanuel quickly has to do it. Quinn Grimes, if he plays, has to do it. Um, And you also like, I I just think Tom Thibodeau has to trust Emmanuel quickly in a slightly bigger role because that's the one guy outside of Brunson and Randall who can self create threes. And to me, the even bigger thing, like I just, I mentioned earlier, but the two runners he had tonight, like, like his in between game against those bigs is so crucial because that's like, we've seen RJ Barrett, like try to do that and struggle to do that. That's not RJ's game. And like RJ gets like a little too high on himself after this and like starts trying to take those shots again. Like it needs to be quickly taking and making some of those shots. Um,
1: Oh, because yeah. RJ ain't shooting eight for, eight for 12 again. So you're no, right. I think not. quickly, I think quickly needs to get more of that. But you know what? To Thibodeau's credit, he saw RJ had it going and he went to him a little bit more in that game, which I get, but I'm with you. I, I think quickly needs to have the offense run through him more in game four than he had in game three. And I think he's now at the point confidence wise,
0: where I think you can count on him to do that fairly well. Yeah. All right, John, we've wrapped this podcast up three times. I'm going to do it. For it hey, they uh, won't. We want to keep yeah.
1: talking about it. I, I, I I get it.
0: If I didn't have to wake up at 630 tomorrow, this would be oh. this would be a two and a half hour uh, podcast for both of us. But unfortunately I do. So we're going to call it right there. But um, John, can you let everyone know uh, where they can find all your fantastic giants coverage uh, before I let you go?
1: Yeah, I'm sure there's giant fans listening to this. If you are, um, we got the NFL draft this week and uh, not to part myself, pat myself in the back. I think we've done a really good job covering it. Um, go subscribe to the Giants Huddle podcast. Uh, we've interviewed a bunch of guys around the league, former NFL executives, uh, draft analysts talking about the draft, breaking it all down, uh, draft season. If you're not a giant fan, even draft season is our draft podcast, Tony Pauline and I just talk draft. It's not giants related at all. It's just draft talk. So if you're an NFL fan, you like the draft, go find, subscribe to draft season. And then we have our daily show, uh, Monday through Friday, big blue kickoff live, which is every day, 1230 to one um giants.com the giants mobile app giants.com slash podcast my towels falling down behind me i know i, I was there. gonna say that it feels like i think battle. they're telling me to go. <laughs> yeah. my, go my 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 gaffers tape is failing me but yeah so if you like the if you like the nfl you like the giants you like the draft go check out those podcasts uh, i think uh this week should be a lot of fun as the nfl tries to you know refill their 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 rosters with uh, really talented young players
0: yeah, exciting stuff. Um, hopefully, hopefully the Giants on a Knicks-esque trajectory, both in terms of their ability to draft and then their ability to build around it. But John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for everyone who tuned in. Uh, I'm gonna see how I'm feeling. We might might be doing a pregame game four keys to the game everyone is busy i tried to get a guest for it um so maybe i'll just i'll just come on and and and, and talk randomly for another 30 40 minutes but you know it feels like we kind of did that tonight um so thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you soon at the latest uh with a game four recap uh sunday night monday morning um but until then be good and uh yeah thanks for tuning in this is locked on nicks all right thanks so much dude that was nah, dude uh, no
1: problem every day, um giants.com the giants mobile app giants.com slash podcast my towels falling down behind me i know i, I was there, gonna say that it feels like i think battle. they're telling me to go <laughs> <Yeah>. my, <laughs> my 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 gaffers tape is failing me but yeah so if you like the if you like the nfl you like the giants you like the draft go check out those podcasts uh, i think uh this week should be a lot of fun as the nfl tries to you know refill their 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 rosters with uh, really talented young players
0: Yeah. Exciting stuff. Um, hopefully, hopefully the giants on a Knicks esque trajectory, both in terms of their ability to draft and then their ability to build around it. But John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for everyone who tuned in. Uh, I'm going to see how I'm feeling. We might, might be doing a pregame game four keys to the game everyone is busy i tried to get a guest for it um so maybe i'll just i'll just come on and, and and talk randomly for another 30 40 minutes but you know it feels like we kind of did that tonight um so thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you soon at the latest uh with a game four recap uh sunday night monday morning uh, until then be good and uh thanks for tuning in this is locked on next